When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Do you want to meet myself and Ollie Davis of WrestleRamble fame? Well, you can do just that by joining us at Wrestling Media Con on September 8th and 9th from the Bowlers Exhibition Centre in Manchester, England. Ollie and I will be doing a live episode of WrestleRamble as well as signings and photos, but that's not all. Wrestling Media Con will have shows from Cultaholic, Inside the Ropes, Wrestling with Regret, Don Callis, Botchamania, Art of Wrestling, Sean Waltman, and more. There will also be the first ever wrestling media hall of fame and wrestling shows from impact wrestling where they will be taking on the best the uk has to offer and revolution pro wrestling featuring the legendary jushin thunder liger defending his british j cup crown tickets are on sale now so head over to wrestlingmediacon.com that's wrestlingmediacon.com support wrestle talk give us a subscribe Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Russell Ramble Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Russell Ramble Podcast. I'm Ollie Davis. Yeah, I'm back. No more fake door. And I'm joined by Luke Owen. Hello, Swerf Nation, and a hello to you, Oliver Davis. Obviously, people would have heard your voice yesterday on the SummerSlam predictions episode, if you've listened to that. But welcome back to the intros and outros. Hey, did you do a, an intro and outro with Laurie for that? I, we did indeed, yes. That's, oh, check you guys That out. is how we got onto the topic of uh, Dungeons & Dragons. Ah. We did it in the outro. Segment. I didn't think to do it in the intro, because you don't want to just turn people off. No, but it's I thought, a wrestling podcast. Exactly. So we thought we'd talk about it a little bit in the outro. We ended up talking the whole 10 minutes uh, about our Dungeons & Dragons campaign. Well, I'm glad uh, as soon as I left, you didn't just turn it into a Dungeons & Dragons channel and podcast. <laughs> no. You waited until the outro. Exactly. That's good. Yeah. But reaction to it seemed to be quite positive. People really enjoyed it. Mm, so, good. you know, uh, we, in fact, I actually got an email here from uh, Jared Conister uh, who said... Um, uh, really appreciate a uh, good appropriate time of the day Luke, Laurie and Ori Luke, Laurie and Ollie that is harder to say than I thought it would be Luke, Laurie and Ollie yeah well yeah Luke, Ollie, Laurie Luke, Ollie and Laurie yeah it's and like he- we're children's TV presenters <laughs> but he sent in like his own Dungeons and Dragons stories which I'm going to save for the outro cool because where I we- mean I'm not really going to know What's going on? But it's a funny story. It's like the story I told you when I fell over on the ball bearings. Okay, well, yeah, that's objectively funny. Yeah. Uh, but where were you yesterday? Why the heckins were you not? When I say yesterday, I mean 
Wednesday. Why? Yes. Where were you on Wednesday? I had to go and do some business, business, business stuff. Exciting development, folks. I might have got us a new studio. Hey! hey! That wasn't really what I was getting at, though. Oh, okay. I was getting at where you went in the evening. Okay, I went to Secret Cinema. Ooh. Ooh, Romeo and Juliet, or Romeo plus Juliet equals Soppy Ollie. That's what <laughs> happened. Uh, at Secret Cinema, if you don't know, is a huge, immersive theatre and cinema thing that happens about three times a year, and they just create these that they're like take over an entire building, in this case, a large park, and they'll build the set the, uh, of a movie, and you can walk around in it. Uh, they did Blade Runner earlier this year, and you walked into what felt like the murky Chinese-influenced downtown streets of Blade Runner, complete with rain. Wow. Rain indoors. Like you, They said bring an umbrella. I thought, I'm not falling for that merch trick again. <laughs> I'm not going to buy your expensive umbrella. I got soaked. <laughs> I got soaked inside because wow. they had rain like that. But it was it was just it was amazing. Uh, and this one was recreating Verona <coughs> uh, in Los Angeles, which is where Romeo plus Juliet is set. Which is Baz Luhrmann's 1996 uh, reimagining of the classic Shakespeare play with uh, young Leo. Leo. Leo DiCaprio oh, in he's there got floppy hair. His hair is at max flop. Because <laughs> this is like Titanic era Leo So I think well. it's the year before. Titanic's 97. I seem to remember them coming out at the same time. Maybe I mean, over I here mean, they did. Uh, well, yeah, it could be. Like, I'm willing to admit that I was wrong on that, but I seem to equate those eras of Leo as very much the similar thing. So obviously when I looked at it, I was like, oh, it's the kid from Critters. I mean, it's... It's the same year, pretty much, 96, 97, yeah. within a year of each other. It's annoying when you Google Titanic, the film isn't the first thing that comes up. <laughs> I don't know why I thought it would be. Yeah. Obviously, it's a bigger story than just the film. Although, well, remember when they did the anniversary of um, Titanic and there were loads of people, there's kids that came out of the woodwork going like, oh my God, is that based on a real story? Oh, Thinking that it was just a fictionalised tale that James Cameron had put up on screen. Like... Avatar. Like, Avatar's also based on a real story, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh, my favourite bit about Titanic, I think it's everyone's. I wait around the whole film for it. When the when half the ship is now vertical because it's sinking and the guy falls from like the bow of the ship down into the sea, but he hits one of the big pillars on the way. Is that he hits one of the propellers? No, because that would shred him. No, it's because the, the propellers aren't spinning. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's a propeller anyway. Planes don't have propellers. <laughs> Sorry, planes have propellers, not ships. I think ships have propellers. They have, like, big exhaust bits. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, bear in mind, I what haven't... do you think propels the boats along? I haven't seen Titanic since 1997. The propellers would be under the boat. Which means I haven't seen that film for 21 that years. on the deck. That is a terrifying thought. Anyway, this guy hits the, the thing on the way down. And, and it makes, makes, a a big la- makes a big clang sound. And it's really funny. Uh, but I also... Similar to that, I've not seen Romeo plus Juliet since 98. I think I watched it in English class. Uh, I didn't think much of it. Um, but I will, I'm, I'm not the biggest Shakespeare fan. I find it very hard to get into Shakespeare stories. I've been to see several Shakespeare plays. I've acted in Shakespeare plays. But I find them very difficult to get on with. Mm. I've, I've had to study them lots. The remarkable thing about... Uh, this version is that it is, you know, a very up-to-date version set in mid-90s Los Angeles, kind of based around Italian warring crime fam- families who have emigrated there. 
and it is all in verse. It's all the original script, screenplay. Yep. Shakespeare wrote the screenplay, I guess, yep. as he nominated that year. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, it it. It takes me about 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes of what the hell are they saying? Oh, I recognise that line. What and they, are they saying now? And then you're like, boom. I'm, it's like you slip into another language. Mm. Uh, and I, 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 it's just sonorous and nice to hear people speak in Shakespearean verse. I think it's nice. And, you know, always pop for those spots. <laughs> Romeo, Romeo, where Refer- art thou? For Where for art thou, Romeo? See, so, yeah, that's one of the things. Like, that's kind of pop culture lexicon, really, exactly. isn't it? Like that bit of a phrasing. Plague upon both your houses. My only, re- the only time I've ever really de- enjoyed Romeo and Juliet is when they do it in Hot Fuzz, which I think is exceptional. Which bit do they do in Hot they go, Fuzz? Uh, it's where they go to the Amdram play of them doing Romeo and Juliet, but it's really badly acted. <laughs> Yeah, but th- this is uh, this is very good. It's a very mm. good film. And they wake up and they all go, love me, love me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Romeo plus Juliet is a film that was definitely made in 1996. <laughs> and not just because of Leo's floppy hair. No, just because of Baz Luhrmann was on full Baz Luhrmann <laughs> mode. I just got to Hollywood and everything's going to be like an episode of Cribs. <laughs> Slow-mo. <laughs> really great set design. I won't say any more about the, the, the immersive experience it, yeah. because that's meant to be a surprise. I don't think I've seen a Baz Luhrmann film that I liked. Hey, not I everyone se- has to like everything. No, no, I'm, 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 I was thinking more for myself because I certainly didn't like Great Gatsby. Um, what about Australia? That's very long. It is long. It's, it's an epic. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm still watching it. Mm. And that is a very, very long I'm film. I'm still watching SummerSlam 2016. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bringing it back to yes. wrestling. Like it. Um, oh, can I quickly tell you about the play I went to go see? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I the went... Saucy play. The, the live on stage sex show. Well, so that's what it was almost marketed as, really. And a lot of the reviews were just like, uh, I mean, my wife told me this. when she, One of the reviews she wrote was like, you will want to go home and just F everyone when you get back. <laughs> Apparently that was like literally one of the wordings of the reviews. I don't think anything could be further from the truth. It is about as unsexy as a play can get. Because this is about two people who are just in the most toxic relationship. Oh, yeah. Where they just rag on each other for oh, yes. two hours Keep just going. insulting each other and then another person comes in and they just rag Saucy. on them as well oh. it's just a lot of just it's basically i described it as two c's being c's to each other when mm. i walked out i i don't know if i liked it i don't know if i enjoyed it um am i glad i saw it as a different kind of question but i like all these five star reviews i'm like what were you watching because it's it's broadly fine at best it's well acted but it is just so at the end of it you're like i'm not sure why i why i watched it you know what the problem with plays is sometimes what's that they're not movies (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot it's a lot more fun to watch all the different angles right well it it, like so part of the plays because it's set over like one long night while one of the uh, the female character's sister is in labor in a hospital and so she's constantly checking her phone for texts and they're just being seized to each other and all this sort of stuff but to show transitions of time they have a clock up on on like on the set and um 
when they like they'll finish a scene the lights are sort of dimmed down a little bit and one of the actors will walk over and just move the clock hand round to sort of show the passage of time and you're like well that's so uncinematic because you not just have it in someone behind the set and twiddle that <laughs> I was already like yeah it's really weird when watching a play and you do end up watching the actors essentially move the set around and kind of pick stuff up and move things and then you're like oh yeah I'm watching a play aren't I it's not it's not as not as immersive as a film is it what did your lady partner think? She was in the similar vein. She, I think she probably thought it was going to be sexier as well, it, and it certainly wasn't. Um, and she, yeah, you, the, uh, the Owens didn't get home and we, we, we went everyone. <laughs> we went home and we had, uh, I had pie and chips uh, from our local chippy and we watched Fresh Off the Boat, which I enjoyed much more. Um, you ever watched Fresh Off the Boat? It sounds like a semi-racist Kent thing. It is a show, so it's a comedian. I'm from Kent, so I can say (laughs) it's a um, it's a comedian called Eddie Wong, whose um, family um, emigrated in from Thailand, and they were living in DC, and then moved to Florida. Oh, I've never watched it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, Yeah, it's so funny. Mm. Like I, and they're gonna be American listeners to this, they'll be like, yeah, about time you're talking about this because it came out in 2015. We've only just got it here in the UK. And it's very, very funny. I enjoyed that so much more. And I think my wife did as well because she was not that keen on the play either because she was like, there's just so little redeemable about the characters that after a while you are just like, I just don't want to hang out with you anymore. And it's just so unpleasant. Sometimes that's workable, though. You can have these fascinatingly horrid characters. I think so, too. But it has to be done right. It has to be done right. People need to learn things. And at the end of this, people don't really learn anything. And at the end of it, I was like, cool so what was the point like this it felt like this play was just an excuse for this this writer she just wanted to just write lots of curse words and put them out on a play that um that's how king ross does his reviews <laughs> uh, i so the great thing about this is because this was your lady partner's choice to go to that mm. that means you've kind of got one in the back pocket now yeah. Because she took you to something that wasn't as good as you thought it would be. In all fairness, she did pay for the tickets, though. So Well, but next time, if it's like, oh, but it's Luke's turn. But I technically did that last time because I dragged her to see the Twilight Zone stage play that they did. Which, well, now it's your turn. Which that's, that's good. technically was my birthday present. So I'm not sure I dragged her to that. I just wanted to go and see it. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, should we get on with the show? But uh, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to be talking about Dean Ambrose's return to Raw and what could be next for Mr. Ambrose. And then we've got your crap giving some mailbags. Mailbags? Mailbag questions? Here's the show. Well, we've recorded loads of stuff already today, so we feel a little bit silly. And I guess uh, now's a good time to say... You'll be off for two weeks. I will be, yes. I'm not going to be here at... Well, I mean, I've got the SummerSlam predictions video that's already gone up. Sorry, I'm talking out of time because we recorded that yesterday. But this is like my last day of doing Wrestle Ramble stuff because I'm going on holiday as of tomorrow. Yeah. I'm off to Canada for yes. two weeks on my honeymoon. Uh, going to the... visit the dungeon? Uh, yeah, that's on the... Well, actually, we are going to Calgary. Um, Winnipeg's the place. Is that where the... Is that where the uh... Well, no, Calgary's the dungeon, but That's Winnipeg's right, yeah. Jericho, Omega... Certainly is. My mate, my best friend Don Callis. So, uh, but Got we're not... a date with him on Wednesday. <laughs> Fortunately, we're not going to uh, Winnipeg. We are going to... Starting in Vancouver, and then we are going to be touring around all the national parks, camping and hiking, uh, which is going to be very exciting. We'll be a Whitewater Rapids. But no impact. Uh, no impact while I'm there, I don't think. And then we're going to end in Calgary, spend uh, an evening there, and then we're flying back to Vancouver for a couple of days R&R before we go home. And I'm very much looking forward to it. So I've got two weeks off. 
Yes. Which means, actually, I'm missing SummerSlam. I'm also missing NXT. But you'll be back for Wrestling MediaCon. But I'm back for Wrestling MediaCon, yeah. which is the key thing. So, Dean Ambrose, I guess you won't know, uh, you won't get to find out the answer because they don't have wrestling. It's not available. Bit, yeah, Canada's not a big wrestling place, it's is it? It's not available in the States. In no. North America, it's not no. really a big thing, I don't think. So um, I'll, I'll probably just, I'll try and find out if I can what's happened. But he returned on Monday's Raw in Seth Rollins' corner. So it looks like SummerSlam, the match for the Intercontinental title, will be Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler with uh, Dean Ambrose and Drew McIntyre in their respective corners. But what happens after that match? Possibly what even happens at the end of that match. Well, exactly, because he has returned <coughs> with a new shaved head and a buff attitude. Not a shaved head, but a very trimmed down well, it's, it's com- compared to what he previously had, yeah. We can't call him the lunatic fringe anymore. <laughs> you cannot. It's a lunatic short back and sides. Um, but yes, yeah, so he's got a new look about him. He's a bit more buff these days. And a lot of people said, like, God, he looks like a heel. Like, he's already come back looking like a heel. Yeah. And so that's the posing the theory. Is he going to turn heel at the SummerSlam match? Or are they going to save that? Are they going to do a program with Rollins and Dean heading into Hell in a Cell? What, what's next for Dean Ambrose? What are, you, what are your predictions for SummerSlam? Outside, well, of, outside of the SummerSlam prediction video we posted yesterday. Well, it's it's essentially the same. And that is, I believe, just because the reports last year were all about Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins working a program together going into WrestleMania. So you had this wonderful story, one of the best in recent times, of Rollins and Ambrose finally making up. Rollins kept on doing all these things to get Amp- to win Ambrose over. And then they finally team up. They win the tag titles at SummerSlam. They defended a few times. And yet, apparently the long-term reported plan was for Ambrose to eventually turn on Rollins and Ambrose be a heel heading into WrestleMania. But instead, uh, we got that Finn Balor, Miz, Seth Rollins three-way. Yes. kind of thrown together in bit. all the injury chaos. Because then Seth's other tag partner Jason Jordan also got injured yeah which was the other rumoured uh, match they were going to do because they were teasing all of these Jason Jordan heel turns while before he got injured mm. then he got injured and then they were like cool now what do we do with Rollins but Jason Jordan was only a replacement for, for Dean, Dean Ambrose, Ambrose yeah uh, of course it was man who actually injured him was it the bar yeah because it was the bar versus Rollins and Ambrose that was the feud that was going on I, that makes sense. Yeah, yep. so I guess... WrestleMania feels like a long time ago. This is Royal Rumble we're talking about. This is January, I mean, early January. It was funny. I was writing up the news today about Brock Lesnar's WWE future, which is apparently up in the air. Apparently the story is that he's going to be having a meeting at four o'clock before SummerSlam to discuss where he's uh, if he's staying with WWE or not. That's the, the current rumour. That is great negotiation <laughs> tactics. Absolutely. Because everyone's going to be panicking. It's what it's what Warrior did, man. Yeah. Warrior had waited until the day of the show before going like, oh, can you give me more money? Or I'm not going out. It's like, oh, I've already advertised a main event. Yeah. And Vince McMahon and WWE, that's such a dastardly tactic. We would never do any <laughs> dastardly negotiating tactics. Um, yeah, uh, what was the point I was making? Oh, yeah, so I was talking about Brock Lesnar. And I was like, all of his televised matches this year have been against Roman Reigns. I was like, the WrestleMania, the Greatest Royal Rumble, and SummerSlam. And then I, all of a sudden, in the back of my mind was like, Oh, did he ever match the Royal Rumble? Yeah, who was it against? Oh, it was a Braun and Kane, wasn't it? Because they did all the wacky... like, And Braun had his hook that he got from Zelda. Yes. And pulled the stage down. I was like, that feels so long ago. Well, wrestling fans' years run from WrestleMania to WrestleMania. We do... Everything goes in big dog years. Yeah, big dog years. <laughs> uh, so, 
Yeah, I mean, you can't have something with the bar, really, because they're on SmackDown, unless there is another another tr- superstar shake-up Not trade after, after main, SummerSlam. Yeah. But, I, I, you know, that would be useless because the bar haven't done anything on SmackDown yet. So why trade them back six months after you sent them to the blue brand? So, yes, that's... I, I think Dean Ambrose is going to turn heel sooner rather than later on Seth Rollins. I personally think it's going to be during the SummerSlam match when Drew is ejected from ringside and you think that Rollins has it won, but then Ambrose interferes on Ziggler's behalf. Yeah, that that's kind of <coughs> where I'm thinking too. And then you set up a, um, a, a Dean versus Seth feud going into Hell in a Cell and then post that into uh, Survivor Series. TLC, Evolution, it, well, I was gonna say, cause whatever get, the, the pay-per-views are. We're not getting a, a, a quote-unquote um, regular pay-per-view in October. We're getting Evolution instead. A bloody gimmick pay-per-view. <laughs> bloody gimmicks. Bloody women. Yeah. Hell in a Cell gimmick. <laughs> Royal Rumble gimmick. gimmick. Women. Gimmick. It's a gimmick. Um, uh, we're yeah, being so facetious, of course. Don't you... take these... <laughs> Please do not take those out of context Absolutely. as a clip. Yes. So you then uh, play that off into Survivor Series following that, I guess. I mean, unless you want to kind of hold off on the Dean turn mm-hmm. and and then kind of redo your WrestleMania plans you had for this year, but do them at next year's Mania instead. Yeah. I mean, that's. I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. You have a Rollins-Dean sort of tag team feud against Mackendolf, and that would be a great way to reassert Raw's tag division. I was about to say, look at that, a much better tag team feud than what the tag belts are over at the moment. But I was imagining, like, imagine the B-team coming out and they're celebrating B-team, B-team, rah, rah, rah. We're looking for new challenges. Rollins and Ambrose come out and just win the belts. That is a great Monday after SummerSlam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, great Raw. Uh, We're talking like it's already happened. Uh, Yeah, but I... And then you can have that. And I think the Revival would be a great act oh, in the just, mix yeah. with those two teams. And you can have this great three-way feud in the tag division. And then, yeah, you just you do the plans that you couldn't do from January to March this year with the eventual Rollins Ambrose turn. It's an interesting one because usually you would want someone to come back and stay in that like with that momentum for a while. So... The great example is Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins came back after that injury as kind of a awkward tweener, heel, babyface. I'm still with the McMahons. Such a terrible decision. Terrible decision. Terrible. Um, and that really derailed him. So, so he, he should have just turned face. But with Dean here, it's like he got such a big pop on Monday. And I'm so into the Ambrose Rollins thing again. Well, do you do you really want to waste that? Because you've got like that's got a few months of potential in it. And do you waste that just to just to turn him and have a big moment at SummerSlam? Yeah, when really you could get more mileage out of this uh, by by keeping them together. I, that, that's what I'm saying, man. I wonder if you, it might be in their best interest to hold off on this because he has just had this return. As you said, the pop was massive for him, and I've seen a lot of people criticise the return in terms of they should have done it at SummerSlam as a surprise. But I thought the way they did it on Monday was like as close to perfection as you can possibly get because it was so well orchestrated and the way that Rollins ramped up the crowd then did announce him then ramped them up further then announce him and ramped them up even further I, it was just spectacular it's one of my favorite moments of raw of the year i thought it was a really really cool moment and them doing the fist bump in the ring i thought it was awesome so like with sorry but with that 
I do kind of want to see them stick together for a little while. And mm. yeah, and I, talking about them going back as a tag team and reigniting that Raw tag team division, that does excite me because if there's one thing I couldn't possibly care about less on Raw, it is their tag team division. I think I care more about Bobby Roode and Mojo Rawley than I do whoa, the tag team whoa, division. Whoa, whoa, Mate, whoa, I mean, I'm whoa. not, I'm not, I'm don't want to say, Let's I'm not. not go crazy here. I know I'm talking hyperbolic statements, but I'm, I think I like Bobby Roode. And so I think I'm more invested in Bobby Roode versus Mojo Rawley you than like I am. like the revival and the B team, whatever they are, do elicit a response. <laughs> I can't say that about me. I don't I'm, even sing along with Glorious anymore. Oh, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm, I'm too nostalgic for Bobby Roode as yeah. opposed to... But that's not saying, hey, the Raw tag division's better than you think it is. It's more an indictment of the undercard booking yeah. and the fact that Bobby Roode is even in the undercard. I do care about the Raw tag division than I do Authors of Pain versus Titus Worldwide. So that's another team that is just sitting there waiting to be used in a better program. It's funny, I was Revival, doing... Revival, Authors of Pain... Authors of Pain versus Rollins and Ambrose. Yeah. That's a feud. So we've got a video that's gone up today uh, on WrestleTalk. I think it should have gone up before this, which is like five matches that you should watch. Five NXT matches from Brooklyn shows to get you excited for tonight's NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. And I was going through the matches, and I was, it was Revival versus DIY, and what an awesome match mm. that was. And it was Authors of Pain versus Sanity from last year's Brooklyn, which was this chaotic match. It was so enjoyable. And I had like Banks and Bailey and all this sort of stuff. And every time I was watching these matches, I was like... God damn it, man. Like, you're sitting on a gold mine of stuff here. But Open going, goal. Open goal. But before we move on, actually, have you got any thoughts for TakeOver? Because you weren't part of the predictions. Just just that I very much am looking forward to it, and I can't wait for everyone to to go, oh, that was much better than SummerSlam. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, one. Though, there is one other possibility. Oh, please do. Which I don't think is going to happen, but it's worth having a talk about. Because if Roman Reigns wins, and we all expect him to well we predicted he will do yeah, yeah. Uh, but barring Brock Lesnar doing another swerve thing good god I hope that doesn't happen Re- and Reigns doesn't turn heel which is also a strong possibility then he hasn't really got many top heels to face off against so who who are your top heels on Raw Jinder yeah and uh, Kevin, Owens. Kevin Owens probably those two really because it's no one else and they are they have been solidified in the mid card for me and I guess they they've the cards in the future are Owens versus Roman Reigns. And they've, they've got great chemistry together. They've had some really cracking matches in the past. They're a Royal Rumble match. Yep. Uh, not last year. Oh, well, it was last 2017 year. 2017 was really awesome. good. Awesome. Uh, just at that chair spot of all the chairs. <laughs> oh, I know. But the, the rest of Raw's upper card is Bobby Lashley. It is Seth Rollins. I mean, maybe a Drew McIntyre could be a good challenger, but he's still finding his feet on the main roster. Baron Corbin, I guess. He's tall. He's got a shirt. But a heel Dean Ambrose, like he would have to turn heel fast, have a feud with Rollins, and then Reigns has a big heel challenger in Ambrose with a with a pre-existing storyline there. Well, if you are going to go in that direction, which I certainly don't think is the worst thing, and you want to kind of build a big WrestleMania match, maybe the WrestleMania match they want to build to is that Shield match of Roman versus Dean versus Seth yeah. for the Universal Championship. And that's like your big draw for, for Mania next year. What an act that has been so protected in WWE. It's amazing. They they can do it when they want to. It's amazing how well they're protected to the Shield. But even then, not, not perfectly. Not perfectly, no. Not perfectly. When Kurt Angle came out as Dad Kurt Angle. Oh, bless him. <laughs> hey, Roman had food poisoning <laughs> and a bad tummy.
Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's time for some of your crap gimmicks. Now, if you're new to the show and you're wondering to yourself, what the heckins is a crap gimmick? It's a little section we do on the Saturday edition of this show where you, the SWAF Nation, submit to us your crap gimmicks for our approval and see if we want to sign them for crap gimmick wrestling. Such suggestions have been like the Beastmaster, Wrestlebot, the Fishmonger, etc, etc. Think 90s WWF, you are a wrestler and a blank. Would you like to hear our first suggestion this week? Hit me up. So this came in from Matthew builds on June 29th. As always, I am slowly working my way through them. If you would like to send a crap gimmick in, it's luke at wrestletalk.com 
one more time luke at wrestletalk.com with the subject heading crap gimmick so this one comes in from matthew build from june 29th he has suggested joe kerr he is a wrestler and a stand-up comedian like elias he performs random shows however instead of a guitar or uh, he is singing uh, <clears throat> Instead of playing guitar, guitar and singing, he performs stand-up comedy and makes fun of his opponents slash the audience. This is also how he starts foods. His finishing move is the funny bone, which is an elbow drop to the opponent's elbow. That's good. I like I like the idea. I can't think of a, a sort of stand-up comedian gimmick in WWE or anywhere Dolph. else. Oh. No, I meant like a successful stand-up oh, comedian. Right, sorry. I'm sorry, that was mean. That he was mean. Is he, he was on the no, well, he was on the roast, which was not funny at mm. all. Well, so I like this. I funny bone is a good name for the the elbow drop. I like that. Uh, but I I hear Joker and I think the punchline. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, I was thinking of funny bone. I'd thought like a submission on your funny bone because when you hit your mm. funny bone, that re- that that hurts for a while. And the person <laughs> selling it will go oh oh <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> yeah, that that could be quite funny. And yep. So the punchline in my head is uh, an Akada-style rainmaker, but into a punch. I like it. Yes. Yeah, I think that's better. Uh, also, there's like, that. his entrance should just be on the Titantron. We've got a big budget for the crap gimmick wrestling roster. It's just a fake brick wall. I was going to say the exact same thing with like a spotlight on it, and he comes out almost like Jerry Seinfeld. Exactly. And he's like, what's the deal with airline food? But they're not funny. Yeah. And everyone's like, boo. <laughs> and he goes, hey, don't hate me. You know, there's yeah. some little bits there. And then... <laughs> yeah, so he wins a match, and he just looks up and... Like that at the camp. Freeze frame does his own. But we're now frame. moving into sitcom, and we're moving away from stand-up comedian. Ah, uh, yeah. But that I mean, that is a sitcom about a stand-up comedian. It's very true. I think that's fine. Yeah. Uh yeah. So uh, unfortunately, that wasn't in your pitch, though. No, that's all stuff that we've come up with. And, that's, so, and that would be my feedback to uh, to Matt. There's, it's three I, lines. I think there is an, a balance that one needs to hit with a crap gimmick submission, because sometimes I get them that are like Matthew Bills that are like three lines long, and then I get some of them that are two pages. And like that, that's far too long. Maybe even half of that is too long. There is a sweet spot that you can find. A crap gimmick is exactly as long as it needs to be, because oh, we like once it. accepted one that was about 14 words. It was a haiku. Oh, one of my favourite ones. Beautiful, brilliant one. So this one comes in from Jay King on June 30th. Skate, SK8, uh, is a male wrestler who is also an amateur skateboarder. Oh. I like it because we get this a lot when people say, like, uh, Skate is a smaller man um, around six, uh, five, six, five, seven, with no facial hair. I just always like that. It's like, he's a smaller man. Yeah, well, I, mean, I guess you want to... They don't want to say 205 Live. Well, I mean, just smaller man just seems like a really weird phrase because he's only three inches shorter than me and I don't think I'm small. Well, in WWE standards, everyone's looking at this like Vince McMahon, maybe. maybe. I gotta be 6'3". <laughs> maybe. Uh, so he is a smaller man, around 5'6", with no facial hair and a blonde bowl cut for a hairstyle. He wears t-shirts from random bands and wears khaki cargo shorts. Also wears elbow and knee... Oh, you look at me. Did you look at me then? <laughs> you would... It is remarkably similar to what you're wearing. It is, yeah. I mean, I still have the blonde bowl cut. I mean, I'm more or less on a bowl cut at the moment because I still haven't had my hair cut after two months. And you did skateboard into work today. Uh, Well, I mean, I haven't skateboarded in 15. 
teen years maybe we did were you ever much of a skateboarder i was back in my teenage years yeah i used to go down to the local skate park and things like that yeah oh yeah it was cool man we were so cool what tricks could you do oh i could do all the tricks yeah i mean you name a trick i could probably do it why well, get when I was finger skating? I, I could <laughs> yeah. do a lot. I could do a lot of yeah. Little, little bits. I mean, a lot of my skating, uh, uh, pop shove its were my, you know, things like kick flips, things like that. It's more or less. I was never oh. like I, I wasn't Tony Hawk or Bam Margera or anything like that. I like when people in the comments section think, "Oh my god, I don't think anyone's ever asked Ollie this before." Hey, uh, hey, Ollie, are you any good at skateboarding? Why do people ask you that? Can you do an Ollie? Oh, I see. Right, very oh, good. No. I can't. See, my problem was when I was a teenager, I got sidetracked by trying to learn how to do proper tricks because I was obsessed with Rodney Mullen, who was like a, it was like a freestyle. He used to do just like sta- like handstands on skateboards and stuff, and you do flip rounds, really wicked stuff. Like Tony Hawk skateboarding three. I was like, always have to be Rodney Mullen. I used to love unlocking his video because it was wicked. So me and my friends used to focus too much on trying to do that, which we can't do because we're not athletic or strong. So we, if we'd have put more time into like you know doing other skateboarding stuff, we might have been better. But in the end, yeah, you want to you want to focus on the basics. So what a lot of uh, training wrestlers I know that man. fall down on. They want to do straight. They want to go straight into the flip to do's. Tell me how to do a a falcon arrow off not falcon arrow a red arrow. A one man Spanish fly. Show yeah. me how to do that. Whereas this guy comes in and says, "I just want to do five weeks on lockups. <laughs> just tell me how to lock up, and then I want to do that cool thing <laughs> where you where you turn around and you get them in an armbar." That's like the next three months for me. Yeah. I was a foolish uh, <laughs> child, unfortunately. I, I went the wrong way. You ever seen... Sorry, the, I'm just sidetracking this because yeah. it's Saturday. <laughs> uh, have you ever seen Jiro Dreams of Sushi? No. Fascinating sushi documentary on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it is... It's regarded... You usually save this sort of chatter for the podcast. Um, I thought, I thought, screw it. You're not, you're gone for a bit. I'm going to miss you. Oh, it's funny. There's, uh, so, so this is like one of the most famous sushi restaurants in the world. It's in Tokyo, I believe. And they, they are so precious about how the sushi's made. You have to do 10 years just boiling rice before you're allowed to cook sushi. Well, in my one time I've ever done sushi-making classes, we weren't allowed to do the rice. Mm. They had to have someone on there who was a specialist who would sort the rice out for us, and then we would essentially just... It was like, like basically Lego. Yeah. Like, that was essentially how... Like, our, yeah, that's essentially what our sushi-making classes were. But, um, yeah, Lego, but with food. Edible Lego. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, you can give it a go at Lego. <laughs> All Lego is edible Lego if you try hard you enough. try hard enough. Anyway, back to Skate. Uh, he wears T-shirts from random bands and wears khaki cargo shorts. Also wears elbow and knee pads and has plenty of sick tattoos. Skate's entrance starts with him skating out the entranceway, then hopping off to give members of the audience helmets while reminding them safety always comes first. After finishing handing out the helmets, he goes back to the top of the entrance ramp and skates all the way down to the ramp, which is set up at ringside, to get some gnarly air and fly into the ring. <laughs> kind of like how Sin Cara did with a trampoline. Before he starts his match, he always tries to convince his opponents to wear a helmet, because uh, which they always decline. So instead, he puts it on the referee. Yes, the referee must also wear a helmet during his matches. As far as his in-ring abilities goes, his moveset is similar to CM Punk's, where the majority of the strikes he throws are either leg strikes or knee strikes. He has a signature move, such as the kick flip, which is a Pele kick, and a heel flip. And he also does certain spots he'll do, such as dives using the skateboard. For example, he'll throw his opponents over the barrier, 
barricade, set up the ramp, then he skates off the ramp and dives onto his opponent. Wow. Uh, and he, is, he has two finishes. His first is the pop shove it, which is like Cesaro's pop-up uppercut, where the, but with a GTS-style knee strike. His second is a submission, the figure skate, which is Charlotte's figure eight. As far as his character goes, as a babyface, he earns everything his way by grinding his way up to the top but he will always rebel against authority figures and he will always look out for other baby faces preparing them for a big match by reminding them to wear a helmet now i've got two main thoughts about this well two conflicting thoughts on this which well, shall we say first great detail jay king yes that is that is a well thought out pitch to to an extent to an what, extent what are, you, what are your points I think the character doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, he's, but, uh, he's both safety conscious and a reckless skateboarder at the same time. That's it. Yeah, I'm. I, I wanted this to be more like Matt Riddle, mm-hmm. where he's just yeah. like you know, cool, whatever, bro. But it's not. It's like it's a skateboarder, but it's also Danger Aaron from Jackass, where he's always wearing a helmet and being like safety first. And and that, I don't think the two really compute. Although Danger Aaron was a skateboarder. Yeah, I, yeah, I but, completely. But not agree. the most popular member of Jackass. That what would that's what would. That's that's my main criticism of this. Yeah. Uh, but everything else I really like, like the visuals of, I mean, this is, if you take out all the safety helmet stuff, this is verging in the category of, no, that's just a genuinely good gimmick. <laughs> yeah. Because that's like some of the stuff you could do with a skateboard around the ring if you could, if you were athletic enough mm. to do those things and transition into a wrestling move. That's great. I would only also add, rather than the figure skate, which is a good pun, it's also a pun on what is already a pun, kind of because of the figure four and then the figure eight. Mm-hmm. It's it's a bit too far removed. I would have gone for a skateboard stretch. There you go, instead of uh, the surfboard stretch. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, no, I, I and also like the no facial hair and a bowl cut. Like that doesn't scream skater to me. Yeah, there's something there, but we it just needs some development. Well, let's see if buttered toast okay. from June thirtieth can. Maybe he can get someone signed, or maybe we'll have to revisit two of the other ones we've it's had. Toast he's, he's, one, he's one of our pledge hammers. Yeah. He has submitted ideas before. Uh, he has suggested Count Spatula. Spatula is a Transylvanian grill master who wears oh, khaki shorts. That's good already. <laughs> Why is everyone wearing khaki shorts? I, I thought it was really funny. I got these both emails on the same day, and they both had the terms khaki shorts. It's summer. Uh, maybe so. He wears khaki shorts, a button-up flower shirt like a tourist, and an apron that says, suck the cook, and a long black cape. He has a dark past that he doesn't like to talk about much. You see, Spatula lost his hand in a bar fight with his mortal enemy, Rob Van Helsing. Which I thought was a really funny pun. Yes. He got his missing hand replaced with a metal spatula. He likes to have cookouts at every show, but he has to have it indoors because he doesn't tan well. He invites other superstars from the crap roster to his cook-ins at every show. <laughs> However, his guests are always upset when spatula hands them the burgers and steaks that are completely rare. To which he then utters his, catch- his catchphrase, the blood is the best part. His finisher is the burger flip powerbomb. Just a sunset flip powerbomb renamed. His entrance is pipe organ music. Fat is amazing it's all a setup <laughs> for that not even funny punchline of the but the blood is the best, best part oh i can if i was if crap gimmick wrestling on every thursday night i feel like it would be at 1 a.m yeah i would be waiting around the entire show just for him to set that up and say it you knew it would come every week and it'd set and good, I'm done now, I can go to bed. Yeah, and he, he would totally have like the Bella Lugosi Dracula oh. voice as well. But the blood is the best part. That is inspired buttered toast. And it's I just love the ones where you've 
you've just I've just thought Count Dracula, Count Spatula. That sounds quite funny. Let's reverse engineer this. <laughs> and you've you've created this. This is great. This is this is uniquely uniquely terrible. Yeah, it, in I, a great way. I almost feel like his idea was like, oh, I want to do a vampire, but it can't just do a vampire. Okay, he's a cook. All right, okay, he's a cook. Where do we go back from here? And then you go to say, he lost his hand. It's now a spatula. Van Helsing, Rob Van Dam, Rob Van Helsing. Really, really good. You've gone further down a contrived avenue with every turn. You are, like, this represents the colder slack. The colder sack <laughs> of slack. The colder slack. The colder sack of no more ideas. <laughs> you have exhausted this concept into a brick wall. This is supremely good. I want to sign him. Well, let's sign him. Count Spatula, welcome, welcome aboard. And if you want to submit a question to our mailbag, all you've got to do is become one of our awesome pledge hammers at any dollar amount. And then you can just leave a comment there in our awesome community we've got over there. And we'll read your mailbag questions out on the Saturday episode. It's a really cool place to do. And a real cool place to do. That's exactly what well, I was To do. The problem was, I was trying to hold back a burp in the ah, back of my throat there. I was, really, the sentence. I was really struggling at the end of that little plug. And I was like, I'm hoping Ollie's going to step in soon because this burp's going to come out at any point. And the burp's gone? It's gone now. Just swallow it. Well, it's not as easy. It was caught in the back of my throat. Ah, okay. Anyway, carry uh, on. Well, if you go over to Patreon and become a pledge hammer of Wrestle Talk, we are also, as of this recording, 73 Patreons away from reaching our next goal, which is weekly NXT reviews. Not just for YouTubers, but for podcast podcast listeners as well absolutely it's not something that's patreon exclusive it's just we need to get to that level of patreons in order to fund fakeador's expensive mask habit yes and then it'll be you and fakeador doing weekly nxt reviews how great does that sound doesn't it just so people yes. love nxt when takeovers happen and then forget <laughs> about it for a month and then they like it when it comes back again yeah like the week before takeovers you get a lot of people going like why aren't you doing nxt reviews and then the week after why aren't you doing nxt reviews and then there's nothing until those two weeks come back again and that's why we don't do nxt reviews <laughs> pretty much uh, so hopefully this will you know this this will supplant the demand by having Patreons help literally support WrestleTalk there. Toast. To kick off on the mailbag, we've got Josh Lee, who is asking, Hi, Ollie, Luke, Ollie, and Laurie. Uh, I have a question for the mailbag. Um, it is well known that many of the NXT corps, speaking of, get botched and their characters are ruined once they make it to the main roster. Due to this, many people get worried about their favourite NXT stars getting their call-up. With this in mind, I would like you to imagine a world where every single NXT call-up from now on is botched and each of you can choose one act to save from bad booking and reach their potential. I can. I like this. I can narrow mine down to Velveteen Dream, Undisputed Era, Alistair Black, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa, which means you haven't narrowed it down at all. You've just named lots of guys, uh, but cannot choose just one. Keep up the good work. Hot damn! You now, can just save one. You can just save one. Which isn't just like who has the most potential. It's like all the other people you're going to ruin. Yeah, exactly. You're going to lose them. You are going to lose others, aren't you? Because it, the, the question it isn't, is, oh, um, you get to choose one. It's just all the others are going to be badly booked apart from your one. It makes it a lot more weighty. Have you got anyone who immediately jumps out at the, you? Well, the first person I thought of was Alistair Black because I'm such a massive mark for him. But then again, I'm like, but there's also Champa. There's also Gargano. There's the Undisputed Era. There's Keith Lee. 
Matt Riddle's rumored to be going across. Like, I want to be looking at Matt Riddle being like being a big guy. There's so many people. That, War Raiders. There's so many people there that I like. Street Profits are another one. I mean, a huge, huge mark for the Street Profits. And I see there's massive potential in them on the main roster, particularly Montez Ford, who I have made this prediction before, will be a WWE champion at some point. So I, I'm taking this question to be what... How can you find the next Stone Cold, the next Rock, the next someone like that? So I've got to look at NXT as who has that potential. And I, I, you know, Keith Lee would be my first. That's the first thing that popped into my head uh, out of those. But before you even said it, I thought, actually, no, it's Matt Riddle. I know he's not technically NXT signee yet. Likely this evening he will become one. But I think Matt Riddle already has what it takes to be in the top of the main event of Raw and have that breakthrough appeal to get casual and less than casual fans back into wrestling. So I would I would go for Matt Riddle. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm actually going to... Oh, man, it's tough. But I think I'm going to go with Keith because I think Keith's also got that potential that can reach out because... That means is... they're both saved! Hey! hey! Uh, nameless. You don't actually really leave a name uh, on this, but it says, Hi, Ollie, Luke, and the untrustable Laurie. Please check he's my totally last... trustworthy. Well, he's, he says at the end of it that he claims to have seen him chatting with Pichisi, which we know is not true because he's on the other end of the country and he's here all the time. So we know that's not true. But here is the question he has. 2015 was the year of the Shield breakup aftermath. 2016 was the year of great part-time tag teams 2017 was the year of the tag team split 2018 mm. is the year of blank Ooh. 2018 is the year so it's got to be tag like or faction Does it? i mean i was gonna say for me 2018 this year has been the year of nxt call-ups not being used to their potential yeah because in, in, i don't really subscribe to the theory that every nxt call-up is botched because, I mean, I was thinking about this while watching Raw. I think 90% of the people that were on Raw were former NXT call-ups. Or it might be like 80 85%. So it's hard to say that all of them are botched when you've got that sort of success rate there. But this year in particular, when you think about all the people that were brought up and they've not done anything with. And we're nearing SummerSlam where you're going to have more NXT call-ups. And because that's what you usually do at WrestleMania and after SummerSlam and sometimes after Survivor Series, and you're like, but you haven't done anything with the ones you've already called up. None of them are on the main card. No, you're right. None of them are. And that goes back to Bobby Roode as well last year. Uh, no Ember Moon. No Authors of Pain. No Andrade. No Sanity. Andrade is so Andrade is the only one who's made the SummerSlam show, but it is the pre-show. Yeah, the Iconics aren't on there. Yeah. So yeah, uh, really, so uh, yeah, really so, depressing. so 2018 for me so far is the year of NXT call-ups not being used to their potential. There was a little period where it was thought that 2018 would be the year of injuries with Jason Jordan and Dean Ambrose and Samoa Joe. Just felt like they were racking up. Uh, I think 2018 is going to be the year of uh, the the sort of like the the Bullet Club and that oh, the, the well, rise yeah, outside WWE. Yeah. Uh, yeah, outside of WWE, absolutely. I think. And and that will like well at least the start of it, and then next year will be even more so. Mm-hmm. Well, to be honest, twenty eighteen WWE wise is the year of TV rights, but it's also the year of Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, and the year of Rousey's rise. Ah, uh, oh, yeah, the year of Ronda Rousey. But I think the question is: Look, Shield breakup, uh, great part time tags, tag team split. Like, what's the tag faction storyline for this year? 
If that is what the question is, then good lord, I don't botch know. tag teams. Yeah, botch tag teams, I guess, because they haven't done much with the tag. Mm. Like Vince clearly isn't interested in tag teams at the moment. SmackDown's gotten good in the last couple of weeks. They've renewed the interest in them, but you know, sanity have been wasted. Paul, I feel really bad for Killian Dane. Clearly, told when he's going to put a t-shirt on, and now he's... Um, he he he. Do you not see his tweets? I did not. He said, "Oh, that was my that was my idea." Sure it was. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> I'm doing massive air quotes for podcast listeners. Uh, Razman's Reality writes, Hi guys, I wanted to get your opinion on this. Thank you for emailing into the mailbag then. Razman's re- Real... Uh, Realty. Realty, yeah. Yes. I'm pretty sure it is real- uh, Reality. Real- it is. He told yeah. us not to read it like a uh, Realty. Oh, really? So I just wanted to say that. <laughs> Why is it that WWE have such an issue allowing talent to organically get over? The whole heel turn tease with Becky Lynch has upset me so much, not because she's my favourite female wrestler, but because she's so over with the crowd for being so darn likeable and just turning her back um, and turning her would be bad booking. Uh, yet WWE seems to think that she might need a heel turn to be interesting. It's either, it's not just her either. They waited long to turn Rusev face, Ty Dillinger. I could go on forever, but you get the point. The company used to know uh, used to know that fan reactions determine who and how they are being used, i.e. Stone Cold and Bret Hart's double turn. Now, though, if it's not their doing, they seem to refuse to allow it to happen. As a fan of 30-plus years, it's incredibly frustrating that we they can't see their product is suffering for it. What do you think changed, and do you think we'll ever see them turn back the right way? Thanks for the warm welcome back to Patreon. Keep doing your great work, Razman's Reality. Yeah, so I think it's a mixture of John Cena being successful as a mixed reaction top star. So WWE sees Cena be on top forever. And regardless of the boos and the, the the you know, what do they say? The mixed reaction. Oh, it's a mixed reaction. Yep, slick crowd. Yeah, he's a controversial star. Yep. Uh, he still sold loads of merch. And loads of tickets. Loads of tickets. The live attendance didn't really fall off a cliff. It just, you know, slowly deteriorated same with tv ratings but that you know could be down to other things so it's that and realizing that wwe think wwe are the draw not the wrestlers themselves are the draw yeah so they yeah i can't really because that they're secure they've got the tv rights they're they're, they've got so much money the network means that you don't really have to make people want to buy a pay-per-view you just want you just need to make them want to buy the network so they don't really need to invest in in stars. They can do what they want, really. And we just we, to be honest, like we're as much at fault as them because we we keep saying we're going to stop watching, but we don't. Yeah, no, I, I think it's very much that WWE believe that they are the draw as opposed to the people that are on the poster. So you know, it's WWE is coming to town, not Stone Cold Steve Austin is coming to town. Yeah, they they won't they won't change nope. unless uh, something don't... really affects them financially and I can't see that happening there. And yeah, I was going to say unless it's like uh, and we said this in last week's show unless you know Sinclair start putting a massive amount of money into Ring of Honor and get them onto a prominent TV station in a primetime position where they can start drawing in, you know, some new fans, maybe lapsed fans and things like that. That'll probably be about the only thing that will make mm. WWE change the way that they are because at the moment they don't need to. Their ratings are fine. Their attendance is fine. And th- th- but that doesn't matter because they've just made an absolute truckload of money off of their TV deals. And the Greatest Royal Rumble. And the Greatest Royal Rumble and things like that. Whenever you see these comments from people going like, WWE is trash and it's dying, you're like, it's so far not. It's never made it's more never money. never made more money. Like, and that's, you think of like 1998 and 1999 when it, the, the massive boom period. 
They've made, they're making more money now than they were there. By a considerable margin. By a considerable margin, margin absolutely. Uh, hi, Luke and Ollie. This is from Lendl Brentson. Uh, hello, Luke and Ollie, and the oh-so-trustworthy Laurie. Considering uh, this may be his last match, what are your most memorable Brock Lesnar SummerSlam matches? Ooh. With the caveat, other than the 2017 Fatal 4-Way, and I think that's because we really like that. So, to run down the list, 2016 was Randy Orton. 2015 was The Undertaker. 2014 was Cena. 13 was CM Punk. 12, 2012 was uh, Triple H. 2003 was Kurt Angle. And 2002 was The Rock. Damn. So, uh, th- this is, I mean, like, he's Mr. SummerSlam, right? Yeah, well, absolutely, because those are very good matches. I actually forgot about the Triple H one. Yeah. Really did. But that was about after Raw 1000, wasn't it? The, the whole Triple H arm breaking spot. And then getting the Kimura over. Um, Kurt and The Rock, I haven't watched in a long time, so I'm just going to kind of not consider those the Cena match is great that's where Suplex City first happened it was like just mind-blowing as this because we hated this was before everyone liked Cena again us included we flip-flopped uh, we, I hated Cena at this point. And it's and, incredible as well because Brian had won the title at WrestleMania 30 yeah. and then had to drop it through all of his concussions and they just put the belt back on Cena. So as jaded fans, we were all like, gee, we go, just going back to the old safety net of John Cena. You put the belt straight back on him. What's the point? And then he had this match with Brock Lesnar. And I, I mean, for me, the answer for this is the Cena match because I think this is a real sort of turning point for, for Lesnar in particular. But it was, I can't remember a match that at the end of it, everyone was like, what happened? Because, like, they had so many people going, like, you know, Dave Meltzer would talk about it for weeks on end. It was the most one-sided championship match WWE have ever had. Cena got no offense in the whole match. And it was just a domination Mm. by Brock Lesnar over and over again. And everyone was waiting for that Cena hope spot, that Cena comeback. And it never came. Amazing. And Lesnar just won. It was just a phenomenal match. In terms of like, I you had no idea what was going to happen next. I watched it so many times. That's how you book someone strongly because that happens uh, in the summer in 2014. The next April or March, he ends the Undertaker's streak. Yeah, and then that year he faces the Undertaker at SummerSlam, which like that's the match they should have had at SummerSlam. Sorry, at WrestleMania. That's a great match too. So I I agree though. Oh, but the Punk match is really good. Mm. Okay, I'm going to go with Cena for the same reasons. However, special shout out to Randy Orton because that was the first time that it was like I was doing. I started doing. I took over the Wrestle Talk YouTube channel at the start of 2016, and that was like the first thing where loads of people went online going, "What? What happened there?" Yeah, that, that and because I, I have made a, a, a news about it, loads of people found us through that angle. And the the bloodied elbow spot, and whether it was a shoot or real, and yeah, that's st- I think that's still to date one of the biggest videos I've ever done. I think it's up to about a million views now. You know, the Drag. old real reason uh, Randy Orton was that, and that there was the backstage fight afterwards with Jericho and and Brock. So that's all fascinating. So yeah, I'd, I'd say for me personally, I'm fascinated by the Orton Lesnar match. Absolutely, we've got one last question here from Sawyer. I've heard defense. We're back to NXT here. Um, I've heard defense of the poor treatment WWE gives its NXT call-ups that goes like this: No matter what your accomplishments in NXT were, when you join the main roster, you go back to the bottom of the totem pole and have to re-earn your time in the spotlight from square one all over again. In WWE's eyes, even Raw's lower mid-card and comedy acts are quote above the 
last NXT champion because that was just the minor leagues. What do you guys think? Is there any validity to this point? Should NXT call-ups suffer a year of more of freshman hazing, or do they deserve to leapfrog some existing stars and get exerted into big-time storylines right away? Looking forward to Luke and Laurie's NXT episodes. Ah. So uh, am I, Sawyer. Well, I hope you... I hope you've financially contributed to that happening then. Well, he has. He's a player obviously. Oh, that's great. Oh, of course, yeah. All of them are for the mailbag. Try and keep up. Uh, so I know I, I manage this sort of thing, yeah. but come on. Uh, I would say that there is... Obviously, we want NXT call-ups to be protected as best possible, and they shouldn't have to start at the bottom because they've already... You know, a lot of these guys haven't... Ju- the majority of these people haven't just proven themselves in NXT... They've proven themselves on the indies for a decade. So, but that's not to say you can just put people right in. Sometimes, like, because Vince McMahon, I, I, I've heard, has that mentality where, hey, you, yeah, you're good on NXT, but nobody knows who you are yeah. for the Raw and SmackDown audience. And that's true, for, true for the vast majority of fans. So there does have to be some incremental building that building up. Like, no way, Jose. That's probably how he should be introduced at that level. But then with your special talent, with like when the Undisputed Era get called up, I would hope they go straight in and just kill the New Day. <laughs> well, we thought that was sanity, though, as well. And, yep. and, and it's, I think part of the issue is that Vince doesn't watch NXT. Mm-hmm. And so Vince himself, when he sees these guys and girls come up, that's the first time he's seeing them. And he'll just instantly make a snap judgment on them. And you can almost see that as soon as Sanity came up, he looked at them, took one look, and was like, no, I don't get it. And that's it. And once he doesn't get it, then there's no way to kind of claw that back. And it's, it's amazing as well. You made the point there that when they come up, the story is that like no one knows who you are. And that is true. The majority of the Raw and SmackDown audience don't watch NXT. It's a very small audience that watches NXT. So the large audience don't know who they are. But guess what? You own the footage. Make video packages. Hype them up. Yeah. Talk about NXT on Raw and SmackDown. Because guess what? If they talk about Raw and, on Raw and SmackDown, people might buy the network to watch it. So you're kind of it's a win-win scenario. You're building stars. You're earning money off the network. Everyone's a winner. I, I, I cannot fathom. They have this whole thing of, like, people might tune out of it, though. But, like, they probably won't. Like, it's, I think it would be fine. Yeah, there's that whole mentality of having to pay your dues again, when really, to make the best possible product, you would do what Luke said, and that is introduce these people in video packages leading up to their debut, make them seem like a big deal, and give each person, not just NXT call-ups, but people you would, like, Bobby Lashley or someone who skips NXT. You just want to give everyone the best possible chance to become that next big merch-selling, ticket-selling, rating-shifting star. Worked with Braun. Worked with Braun, worked like, with Brock. Like, there are there are people that you they have done it with, but I think the majority of them do get this, like, well, you're in NXT and you're over there, but that's a very small audience, so, you know, try and get over on this stage, mm. you know, bucko. It's, and it's, I remember when Emma first debuted, uh, back when she was doing the dancing gimmick, and in NXT, that dance was massively over. Like, everyone was doing the dance, because it always is, because everything gets over in NXT, in front of Full Sail. And then she was doing the dance, and WWE brought her up, and she was just doing this dance. And so the large audience, I was like, what's that all about? But if you'd have done weeks of build of being like, this is what the dance is, it's a craze, people like it, people enjoy it. When she debuted, there might have been a portion of the audience go like, well, I know what that is now, so I'm going to join in. You just catch, yeah, like you, the, the just Fandango ca- 
and it, and just and it catches on all of a sudden then she has got a gimmick that comes in and it works when she comes in and just does it and no one knows what it is she looks like a complete joke and then ends up teaming with santina morella and gets sent back to nxt sometimes it's, these it's your things, own fault yeah sometimes these things work though but in spite of of that <laughs> yeah. like enzo amore and big Cass, as soon as they made their raw debut everyone knew. well i guess it was the raw after mania wasn't it it was yeah. everyone knew every single line of that intro and they were so over from the start Adam Corona emails in to say... Ma Corona. <laughs> it is Corona, right? Yeah, no, uh, my Sharona. My Sharona. Yeah. I... So, well, for the secret cinema thing, I was going, because it was in Verona, I was going, ma Verona. And my lady partner said, isn't it Corona? No. And I was like, wait, I was... Now, I can't I can't think what the actual version is now. You blocked me. It's my Sharona. Yeah, okay. Well, there we go. Yes. Anyway, hello, Luke and Ollie. First, uh, so I'm just going to preface my reading of this email in that this is in one giant chunk of text, and I do struggle sometimes. First starters, I want to say thank you for all of the content. You're very welcome. Thank I hope you. you've enjoyed all of the content we put out this week. I don't have much time to watch all the shows WWE puts out anymore, and your videos keep me up to date without having to spend 10 hours a week watching wrestling and even more time keeping up with the dirt sheet. Now on to my story. So I live in Texas, and every summer I travel with my family to a watering hole called Jacob's Well. It's a very beautiful spring, and you have to reserve your spot ahead of time and wear wristbands they give you while you're there to make sure you don't sneak in. A few years ago we went there on a hike uh, and hike all the way down the hill to the spring which is about half a mile and realized we'd left our wristbands so my cousin <sighs> so my cousin and i volunteered to walk back and grab them for the family once we got them we headed back i saw my dad walking frantically toward us and he said you're never gonna believe who's here and i asked him who thinking it was going to be another one of our family friends wait a second so this is a rusev hey it is rusev hey he received the jingle he responded the Undertaker and Michelle, M- and Michelle McCool are here with their kids. Be calm. Oh my God. Nobody freak out, guys. When you know <laughs> the dad is freaking out the most, he's probably done this really military, like, quick walk over to them. Nobody freak out. Nobody freak out. Just uh, stay calm. The Undertaker and his family are over there. They- calm down! <laughs> no, you want to talk to him about a hell in a cell. Just calm down. Uh, so anyway, we're back to the story. My dad is the one who got me into wrestling, so this was big for him also. Um, I've read that a little bit right. I've read that stiffy. Trying to stifle my fanboyness, I went back. I went to go and look and see for myself. And once I saw them, I decided to be fair. I wasn't going to go bother them because I felt it would be awkward if he knew a bunch of fans were watching him the whole time That's we were very there. very kind. Very, very kind. Part of the cool thing about the Springs is you can just... Um, hmm is you can just from a cliff that's mm, you can, can jump from a cliff maybe you can jump from a cliff that's about 10 feet deep into the water i think jump is probably right uh we watched mccall do the jump you said you weren't gonna watch them we watched mccall do the jump and my dad and i were debating if taker would slash could make the jump <laughs> this was around the summer after wrestlemania 32 did, did he not push her <laughs> Do you not do the rikishi <laughs> armageddon <laughs> show <Armageddon <laughs> <laughs> Oh, mate, you're famous. Your, your email will be read. The, the choke, choke push. Force push. Uh, sorry, where was I? This was the summer after WrestleMania 32, and we'd been in Dallas to see him pretty beat up after fighting Shane McMahon. I decided it was going to be one of the smaller jumps into the water, and when I climbed up, all of a sudden, I see Taker preparing to do yes. the big jump. 
I try and let him go first, but as a class act, he told me to go right ahead if I could. Uh. I tried to include the video my stalker dad took of him, but my phone wouldn't <laughs> let me. <laughs> It was awesome. Taker did end up realizing we were fans when he heard my dad mention Hell in a Cell, and I'll never forget as soon as he said those words. The Undertaker looked over at us, and very quickly he made piercing eye contact with me. Whoa. When our two-hour block of time end at the spring was up, I was still debating whether or not I should say something to him, and my dad told me quickly, uh, my dad said quickly, you're awesome. I just wanted to uh -huh. shake your hand if you don't mind. And he shook my hand and then turned around and climbed off into the forest surrounding the pool. And that was the time I met the dead man. Sorry for being long-winded. And I hope you and Ollie enjoyed because many wrestling fans of the show I've been... Uh I've been to since have. Bonus, I was once at the front of line to get NXT TakeOver Dallas when I felt a hand on my shoulder and, had a, and I heard, excuse me, son. I turned around to see Jim Ross behind me flashing his VIP tag to get to the nice. security guards. I proudly turned, to, uh, proudly turned to my dad and told him he wasn't my father anymore as Jim, as good old Jim, uh -huh. JR claimed me as his son. It's from Adam Corona, presumably from Dallas. My Corona, two things. Mm -hmm. uh, when he said watering hole, he means a literal water, watering, watering hole. I thought it was a pub as well. Yeah. yeah, literally thought it was a pub. I don't know if that's an American thing. I think it would be. Sounds mm. like an American term that we've actually adopted. But yeah, that's that's the term for somewhere where you go and drink beer. Yeah. Uh, but no, but this a literal like, wall, watering hole. This sounds like a cool spring. I mean, I don't think I'll ever go to Dallas, but if I did, then I would probably seek it out. Arlington. That's where WrestleMania 32 was, wasn't it? Rather than Dallas. I just remember that Dallas. being the star one. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, I actually heard that story before. Undertaker does do the dive, but there's sadly a cameraman down there that he lands on. <laughs> Niche WrestleMania Niche. 25 reference. <laughs> right, so back to Jared Connors' email. Um, good inappropriate time of day. I should be good appropriate time of day. Luke, Laurie, and Ollie. So I was listening to the outro of the SmackDown Live podcast. I felt compared to share some tropes from the D&D games I've been fortunate enough to be in. One. During a campaign run by a close friend of mine, he led the party to an enchanted house formerly inhibited by a powerful witch. After two of our party decided to touch everything to see if it was a trap door, after our half-orc uh, took necrotic damage from a painting, we discovered a box that transported items from where the witch currently was and us. After fighting an ooze, which is from the 5e game, we communicated with our enchantress under our bard, uh, until our bard shoved him in a box and transported him alone to the home of which the of the witch who was not happy about having an unexpected guest at this point i must note the player was the dm's brother and the dm did not have a plan for us to put the bard in the box after much louder and shouts of what are you doing why the da gained dm gained his composure he nearly killed the bard shoving him back into the box and transported him back to the rest of us okay so yeah i don't really know what just happened <laughs> this might be like you watching a shakespeare film I think it probably is a bit like me watching Romeo plus Juliet. Um, but to bring things back more to your level, would you like to take a little trip into Poetry Corner? Well, first, I just want to say before I forget, one of our big five traditions is to have the lady partner predictions. It certainly is. And we haven't done it this, this uh, time round because we had bigger fish to fry. Those fish being the stupid, gaping, stupid people. Of Coldsaholic. Yes. Yes. So we had a lorry instead. <laughs> He's our lady partner this time. <laughs> uh, so this is from Nikki the Posty from Stakeford. We pronounce like two words, Stakeford. So I've already pronounced it wrong. <laughs> this is Nikki from Nikki the Posty from Stakeford. <clears throat> 
This is a poem called Belt. She said, I hope it's up to your incredibly low standards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want that inscribed somewhere. <laughs> Try to live up to your incredibly low standards. Hey, easy wins. Absolutely. For over 50 years, I've been people's reason for living. My love is earned. It's my love is earned. It's won. It's never just given. Buddy was my first, the original, my numero uno. Until one night when I met a dead and uh, met a man named Bruno. 14 years we dated and he was the always my man. Although filling, although flings came from dearie me, I'm having a bad day reading this. I do apologize. It's only someone's the poem that they've I know. really slaved. So I'm going to try that again. 14 years we dated and he was always my man, although flings came and went with Ivan, Pedro and Stan. After 77, things were never going to be the same. I met a superstar by the name of Billy Graham. Hmm. He wooed me. (laughs) (laughs) He wooed me. He charmed me. He made me feel alive until Ginger Bob came along and he held me against my will for five. Hmm. Years which felt like decades. It was the worst time of my life. The Sheik was no better. I felt trapped like I was just his wife. Until one day I met a grand man dressed in yellow and red. He looked him in the eye and confidently said, I love you, brother, and you and me were headed to the top. It was a ride I thought would never stop. For nine years, off and on we dated, and it was beyond anything I had seen. Me and him together, I was happier than I had ever been. Although I did enjoy my times with Warrior, Taker, Randy and Sarge, there was only one man in my heart leading the charge. His pythons, his skullet, his glorious moustache. When we split, my whole world fell apart with a crash. Moustache, crash? I think I read that wrong with a moustache. Crash. I tried to make him jealous with my new kid, the Nature Boy, but it didn't work and was an obvious applo- it was obviously a ploy. Then I jumped between Randy and Nate as I really began to fret. Where do I turn? I turned to this new guy. His name was Brett. He wasn't like the others. He was proud and really cared. I knew things were changing and this made him a little scared. I So I got with a sumo and he had another fling with Hulk. But Brett valiantly fought with me and never did he sulk. He won me back fair and square and although we rose so high, for some reason I had one thing of my ex, that weird ginger guy. After him, I wanted a change. I looked for a handsome, handsome, big and tall. I met Big Daddy Cool and immediately began to fall. I still loved Brett, but I'd got a taste for this big boy thing. It wasn't long before I found myself involved with another stupid fling. His name was Sean, and I just had to get around that waist. It wasn't unlike my Brett. In my mouth, he'd leave a bad taste. I couldn't decide who I wanted more, the loyal and steady heart, or Michaels, the man who disrespected me from the start. I couldn't decide, so back and forth, I dilly, I dally. I even slipped with Big Sid and the demon from Death Valley. November 97, the decision was taken out of my hands, as Vince screwed my Brett and ruined a lot of my plans. So off he went, and who I thought was the man of my dreams. My world as I knew it fell apart at the seams. So I was left with only one place to go, back to Sean, where this would lead, lead, who knows. I don't know if it's short term or if we'll be together for a while. I just hope this time he's healthier and it can just keep his smile. If this doesn't work, I think I've got a little trick up my sleeve. I've heard of this new guy who's up and coming. They call him Steve. That's part of one poem as I'll be losing the will to live if I write it much longer. <laughs> hope you enjoy it. Cheers, Nicky the Postman. I was really enjoying it. and well, Nicky the Postie, I should say. Then a post officer. Post yes, person. Post person. I was really enjoying it, but then I thought... Wait, there's quite 
quite long already. That there's like there's <laughs> there's, twenty years. There's still left. twenty years left to go here. But yes, and the the title changes only increased in frequency <laughs> in the Attitude Era and thenceforth. <laughs> like you managed to get through like twenty years there by just saying Buddy Rogers. <laughs> Uh, but that was that was very very good. I really like the way you made the belt into a, a sort of an actual person because they do refer to it like this is you know this is my yeah B this is uh this is her the belt. Do you know what's weird? As I was reading that, obviously I'd already read the title. And I was like, oh, it's a poem about Vince. Belt. Yeah, ain't no. I'd forgotten the title, hadn't I? It was only until halfway through uh... when she mentioned Vince at the end. I was like, wait, what? And then I was like, oh, it's a belt. Yeah, in yeah. a way, it is about the vince mcmahon family yes at the end of the day it's always about vince yes yes but that is all we've got time for for this weekend edition of wrestle ramble i hope you have a terrific weekend i'm gonna be away mm. now i'm gonna see you all in about two weeks what's gonna be the state of the podcast for two weeks ollie it's gonna go to the bare minimum where there's <laughs> no intros and outros so you'll just be fun normal shows it'll just be the youtube version in audio form. So your emails will stockpile up uh, and I'll have a lot of them to get through. Keep sending them. Keep sending them to Luke. Ollie is doing the bare minimum amount of work. To just remember that. Well, you could say that or you could say Ollie is doing Luke's job too while he's away <laughs> while trying to move studios. I th- The intros and outros are one of the first things that go. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but they will be back when Luke returns. I just feel sorry for the after-swafters, that's all I'm going to say. And the pod-swafters. They still get podcasts. <laughs> but they watch on YouTube, that's the whole point of being out. Anyway, that is all we've got time for today. We'll see you. Well, I'll see you in two weeks. The intros and outros will see you in two weeks. But Ollie and Laurie will be back tomorrow. Yes. Reviewing NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. I'm actually gutted I'm not going to get to watch it. I'm going to try and see if I can work it out before I board the plane. But whether my wife wants to do that on our honeymoon is a different matter. I Offline suppose. viewing? Does WWE Network allow that? I don't think that? they do that, no. They haven't like done downloadable things yet, mm-hmm. which I think is a bit of an error. But anyway, we'll see you soon. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Want to meet myself and Ollie Davis of Wrestle Ramble fame? Well, you can do just that by joining us at Wrestling Media Con on September 8th and 9th from the Bowlers Exhibition Centre in Manchester, England. Ollie and I will be doing a live episode of Wrestle Ramble as well as signings and photos, but that's not all. Wrestling Media Con will have shows from Cultaholic, Inside the Ropes, Wrestling with Regret, Don Callis, Botchamania, Art of Wrestling, Sean Waltman, and more. There will also be the first ever Wrestling Media Hall of Fame and wrestling shows from Impact Wrestling where they will be taking on the best the UK has to offer and Revolution Pro Wrestling featuring the legendary Jushin Thunder Liger defending his British J-Cup crown. Tickets are on sale now so head over to WrestlingMediaCon.com That's WrestlingMediaCon.com